like to welcome everybody to Sunday school this morning. I know a lot of our kids are missing due to the camp, but they're on their way, and uh, we had a good weekend, and uh, we're excited to see what this service has to hold for us. Um, just looking for a good day in the Lord. Uh, we'll ask Mike Nichols to uh, dismiss us Sunday school. Well, it's good to be here, and I appreciate everybody for being here this morning. And uh, I know we're all excited about the kids coming back from camp, and be happy to hear about their uh, their report later. And uh, so let's be prayerful for that. And we have a baptism today, so let's be much in prayer for that. We have a Sunday school lesson uh, continuing uh, in Isaiah. Today and we've had seems like the last several of our lessons a lot of them have been in Isaiah so today we're in Isaiah 51 and it's the first eight verses and uh, before we get started there we'll talk a little bit about Abraham uh, as we get into this just the second verse it talks about Abraham and so Abraham when he was just a young man, he was, uh, Genesis says he was in the country of Ur, U-R is how that's spelled, and he was called and God gave him a, essentially a journey and told him to, to take his people and, and move them, and uh, so he did that. He moved by faith, had faith in God, listened to what God told him, and he made this journey, and of course that, he was the father of the, the nation of Israel. And naturally, God told him his seed would be as the sands of the sea and the stars of the heaven. And God blessed him for that to happen. And we don't want to, I'm not going to go into the entire story, but uh, what I really wanted to focus on is where is Ur? Where did Abraham start? Uh, where is that located? And it becomes very interesting in this lesson as we look at what Isaiah is saying and between Abraham and Isaiah was about 1,400 years of time. 
But Ur is today, if we would find it on a map, it would be in Iraq, all right? It, uh, and so we all probably know at least generally where Iraq is, Middle Eastern country. And so Abraham was in Iraq when he started his journey. And of course, we all know where uh, Jerusalem is on a map anyway, and, uh, and, and where the, the country of Israel is now. And so that's just a little background that I think is important, and it, it certainly there's some significance to that. So um, desire your prayers, and as always, if you have comments, uh, please let you know. Feel free to speak up or get my attention. Uh, but uh, this is one of the most encouraging lessons from my perspective that, uh, that, that we've had. And when you look at what God through Isaiah is writing uh, and who he's writing it to, Isaiah, and as you know, we talked about this maybe a few weeks ago, Isaiah was approximately 150 years before Israel fell and was taken into captivity. And, of course, when Israel fell and was taken into captivity, they were taken uh, to Babylon, all right? And so I'll start to, it's not really a secret, but I'll start to unravel some of what I want to discuss here. Does anybody know where Babylon is if you find it on a map today? Babylon is in Iraq. Babylon and Ur are the same place. So Abraham started in Ur, and he left and made this journey, and he got to where Jerusalem was at, and that's where his people settled. And then when Israel was taken captive by the Babylonians, they were taken back to where Abraham started. And so Isaiah... 150 years before Israel falls into captivity is inspired and he writes this chapter and this chapter is at first and I, and I believe still is but it was directed toward those children that were taken captive and were being taken back over into Babylon even though it was 150 years before that happened but it's still good news and good encouragement and good instruction to us today uh, and so all of those words that he he penned and made uh, for the, the children that he foresaw that were going to be in Babylon at some point in the future still good for us today what encouraging words there are so start with verse 1 hearken to me ye that follow after righteousness so right away we it would be like if one of our preachers got up and, and started preaching and they got to the spot that they really wanted you to focus on and they said, now pay attention right here. Listen, hearken, you know, listen to this. This is really good stuff. So Isaiah starts off and it's in, he says that in this eight verses. He says hearken three times. He's really wanting to draw our attention to this uh, words of encouragement, this message of encouragement and uplift that he has. So, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. Well, he's, you know, 
again, he's talking to the children of Israel that are truly trying to follow God. All right? And so, same thing today. If we've been saved and we are trying to follow God, this, this message is for us. Okay? So, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. All right? So, there's a lot of people, and I've been in that spot, there's a lot of people that have been saved who right now aren't seeking after the Lord and, and aren't trying to follow righteousness, all right? But this message is to the people that are on the front lines and, and trying to do what God has told them to do. Does that mean we're perfect? No. I tell you every time I get up here and teach, and Carl tells you a lot when he, boy, you don't have to follow this guy around very long. You'll see me stub my toe, make a mistake, uh, but I'm... I'm trying. I've not just given up. I'm going to keep doing the best I can day in and day out. But I have to repent every day. I mean, there's just not a day that goes by that I don't, you know, have something that I have to repent for. But so Isaiah started off and he's saying, listen to me. You folks that are really trying to serve the Lord, listen. Look unto the rock whence ye are hewn and look to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged now commentaries went several different directions with those two things I will just say this he is definitely saying turn around and look at your history and look where you came from alright so he's and the same thing with me boy when I get in a bad way a bad spot and everybody in here, I'm sure, you know, mentally gets there sometimes. I can turn around and I can look back at the last couple of good services that we've had where God has blessed me. Or I can look back at where God has answered one of my prayers, one of my burdens. I can look back to when my kids got saved. And I can look, if I need to, all the way back to a little dirt pile. where he dug me up. I can look back to that spot. I wasn't in the church. Now some of you can look to one of these altars or can look back to Albert Street or can look back to the old block building or someplace else. But think back about when God dug you up put something down deep what a blessing um, if that's all he ever did we can say what a blessing alright anybody have any comments on that before we go on verse 2 look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bear you for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. So, now Abraham is referred to as the father of the faith, and he is the father of the nation of Israel. And this, at, you know, from a natural standpoint, is being written 
to the nation of Israel because Isaiah, again, he knows they're going to be in bondage and they're going, that the whole nation is going to need encouragement. Because you talk about a low time. I mean, the enemy came in and took them and carried them all off and the only ones they left was the ones they didn't think was worth anything. But they take them off and make slaves out of them. So, I mean, that's a low, low time. But there is a group in those folks that were taken captive, there's a group that's still looking and trying to follow God. All right? Can that happen here at Lima Church? Well, this church split once. And it was, a, it was before me, but it was a sad time. I've heard Carl and Ronnie and Bill and some of the folks that were here then, I've heard them talk about that sad time but there was a group that was still trying to follow God was that what they wanted no was it hard absolutely it was hard uh, but they were still trying to follow God all right and if you're in if you're you know we can't control sometimes the the natural things we're blessed right now to be in a country where we've got freedom to do to come to church and follow God that may not always be I hope it is but it may not be uh, if you look at history, history tell you that it, it won't be that way forever. Freedoms aren't free. you got to fight for them sometimes. But, so he's telling them, look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. Again, talking to the nation of Israel. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Now, the reason I started off with where did Abraham come from, I think that the... the, the nation of Israel understood the history and knew where Abraham came from and realized when they started reading this that when they were in Babylon they were right back where Abraham started from and so it's an encouragement God's telling them I brought Abraham out of there and I increased him and blessed him I can bring you out of there too and just Carl and I had a really good discussion this morning before Sunday school and he was talking about our heroes in the faith well when I was just a boy and needed saved I looked around and boy there were a whole bunch of people that I could look at that were saved and following God and I could look at them and I thought boy I want what P.L. Brock's got I, I want to be like him I, you know uh, and there were just a host of folks but he was my grandpa he was my papa so I, he was one of them that really stood out to me but I want what he's got I see what he's got so and I knew and I listened to him I knew what God had done for him because I'd heard him tell that a few times well the same thing here Isaiah saying look at Abraham and Sarah he brought them out of the land of Ur he brought them out of Babylon and moved them over and that same thing will happen to you. Just stay the course. I love the, and I can't quote it exactly, but uh, if we faint not, we will reap. God will bless us. Now, does that mean we're going to get exactly what we want? Well, no, that doesn't mean that. But if we stay where God wants us, God will bless us. You know, it may not be, it may not be that our, our loved one that's sick gets better. Because we're all leaving here. But God will bless through that and will help us. So, the other thing I love about this verse 2 is that 
God, he, he's saying through this that he called Abraham, and when Abraham followed him, he blessed him and increased him. Blessed Abraham more than Abraham ever had an idea, even though God told him, I don't think Abraham really fully comprehended what God was going to do for him. I know when God called me as a lost boy, I knew I wanted to be saved, but I didn't fully comprehend what that all meant. And even now, I'm still learning every day how good that, uh, that God is to me. So does anybody have a comment on verse 2 before we go on? Verse 3, for the Lord shall comfort Zion. Boy, what a comment. Um, there is peace and comfort in following the Lord. One of, and, and Carl says this sometimes and I laugh at him, because it seems like about every scripture he quotes, he says, that's one of my favorites. And, uh, and I, but I'm, I'm the same way. There's so many scriptures be hard to try to narrow them down but in 2nd Corinthians and I'll see if I can find this here real quick 2nd Corinthians first chapter and this is verse 3 blessed be God even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of mercies and the God of all comfort and so uh, and I've been in spots before I remember when a few times we've had loved ones die, and boy, that's a sad, difficult time. Um, but I was able to get some comfort from God. And, you know, knowing that those folks were saved and knowing where they were heading is, is a comfort. Uh, but God is able to reach down and comfort you in the most difficult of times that's what Isaiah is telling these folks here again if you don't think being carried away captive and being in a foreign land and not you know being a slave you know some of your people that you loved are gone you don't know where they're at some you know are dead that difficult difficult situation but Isaiah is telling them here for the Lord shall comfort Zion he will comfort her. He will comfort all of her waste places. So think about that. Uh, the things that we think are lost and a complete, uh, just a complete loss. There's no way we can ever make any headway there. God can bless and provide comfort in those places. And, you know, I run into, and I, I talk a lot about, but, you know, my one of my biggest challenges is how this guy right up here, how limited that he wants to make God. Um, and God proves over and over that he is able and that he is willing. But I'll look at a situation, and this guy right here goes, man, there just ain't no way that's ever going to work out. And God's telling them right here, even those places that are waste, those places that you just wouldn't, you would I mean, if you want to look at it, you know, the garbage dump, uh, you know, 
of your mind or of your heart, God is going to bless and comfort that. Wow. I mean, that's, that's impressive. He will make her wilderness like Eden. Let that sink in. He will make the wilderness like Eden. Again, my mind wants to limit that and go, how's that going to happen? I don't think it can happen. But we've just got to put faith in God. We've just, we can't faint. We can't quit. We've just got to stay on fire for God. And he will do those things for us. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. That last phrase really stood out to me. There's a, there's a verse over in Psalm. I think it's one. Get it here. Psalm 137. Two, uh, verses 2 through 4. It says, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they, they carried us away captive, required of us a song, and they wanted and that, that, I'm sorry, my eyes are still a little bit watery. And they wasted us, required of us myrrh, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Well, certainly I know what they're saying, but God, Isaiah here is telling them, even in a strange place, if you stay and keep following God, I'm going to put a song in your heart and let you sing. And uh, I've been in those places before. I've been in a spot where it just seemed like, you know, it was so low that there was really no way to go on. And God come through and bless me and fill me up and give me... Uh, now, that doesn't mean that all my problems were gone. I still had the problems, but God can bless in the midst of those problems. So, some great, great encouragement here going on. Does anybody have a comment on any of these first three verses or anything you want to add or question or anything.
so important to let our people know what we've got so that they can be assured in that. So, anybody else? All right. So here in verse 4, we get another hearken. So again, if, if, it, if Isaiah was preaching this and this was a sermon, he would have, you know, it would be the, the preacher going, all right, now, and listen to this next point I got here. He's, he's kind of drawing their, their attention back to this next thing that's going to be said. Hearken unto me, my people. So again, it's clear that this is God's people. And give ear unto me, O my nation. And he's talking, uh, again, physically here, he's talking to the nation of Israel, but he's really talking about the people that are still seeking and following God at this point. For a law shall proceed from me. Wow. And I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. So, from a natural standpoint, I think that Isaiah is telling them that your captors have got a day and there's a number of days set and that's going to end. And another place, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, Isaiah told them that somebody named Cyrus is going to deliver you. And I don't know if Isaiah fully understood all of that vision or not. He may have, and he may have seen through a dark glass, kind of the way we look at things sometimes, or the way I look at them anyway. But God certainly understood what he was inspiring Isaiah to write. And he's telling them, from a natural standpoint, there's a judgment day coming for your captors, and the nation of Israel will again be returned to a place where the, you know, it will be a light to the world. Now, how does that apply to us? Well, from a spiritual standpoint, this is talking about Christ. Christ is that law. He came and fulfilled the law. He didn't do away with it, but he fulfilled it. And he put in place a new covenant where that we have mercy through believing in him so that's the law that he's talking about here and where he's talking about a light for the people well certainly that light was brought first to the jews and paul even talks about that i think in romans but salvation was offered first to the jews but then also to the greeks and that covers us I'm not of Jewish descent if I go look at my, uh, you know, my family tree. As far as I know, I don't have any natural Jewish blood in my descent, but I'm a Jew inwardly because salvation was offered not just to the nation of Israel, but to the entire world. And, and that's certainly Paul covers that really well in the book of Romans but uh, so I think where this is talking about uh, and will be a light to the world to the people it's talking about everybody so a little foreshadowing and again I don't know maybe some of them did but I don't know if they really appreciated what all this was was saying but I know that it was a help to them in the spot they were in in Babylon during the time of their captivity all right. verse 5 
my righteousness is near. Now, Isaiah's writing this, but you might as well, you could put this in red letter if you've got a red letter Bible, because this is, this is God speaking here, okay? My righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth. Isaiah didn't have any salvation. I mean, he had what God gave him. I believe he was saved. That's not what I'm saying. But it wasn't Isaiah's salvation. It was God looking forward to Christ coming and being that uh, sacrifice that we all needed. But this is God saying this. My righteousness is near. So again, in the natural spot they were at, this was great news. They're reading this going, well, God's going to deliver us out of this bondage. But an even bigger good news is God is willing to deliver all of us out of spiritual bondage. Delivered me, and he's still offering it to everybody today. My salvation has gone forth. It's out there. If you don't think people got saved before Christ got here, how do you explain this? My salvation has gone forth. They got saved the same way that we did. We're just looking in a different direction. They got saved looking forward to the cross. We get saved looking back at the cross. Scripture, and I don't know where it's at, but said a fountain was opened that went half to the former sea and half to the hinder sea. When Christ stood like this, he reached out his hands and he reached all the way back to Adam and he we reached all the way down to whoever the last one is. I don't know their name, but he does. And he got them all. If you want it, it's offered to you. So what a great picture that is. And mine arms shall judge the people. Think about that. So what does that mean? Well, his arms are considered strength. I mean, that's where, and this is, again, this is Christ. So it's his arms, but... Judgment can either be the worst thing that ever happens to you or it can be the best thing that ever happens to you. We're all judged and found wanting and there is mercy there for us if we're willing to accept it. The isles shall wait upon me and on mine arms shall they trust. So some are going to trust and that judgment is going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to him. Because again, we're all judged and found wanting. But that mercy that comes by letting him wrap you up in his arms, that's, that's what makes it the best thing ever. So does anybody have any comments on verses 4 and 5 or any questions or anything you want to add to that? All right, verse 6. So he's not saying hearken here, but he's telling them, again, he's giving them a direction. He's saying, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner, but my salvation shall be forever and my righteousness shall not be abolished. So when I read this, I was remembering, and everybody in here probably heard it or maybe, maybe remembers it, but I've heard Dad preach a few times about where are you looking. Does anybody else remember that, 
that sermon. He's preached it a couple of different times over the years. But, uh, and essentially his point is sometimes he looks down at what's going on around him in the, in the world and it doesn't take too long to get pretty depressed if you're looking around and reading the newspaper and watching the, the TV news about things that are taking place. It's depressing. It's sad. Uh, you know, people attacking the church and attacking Christians and making fun of what we believe. And our, those things, I don't know if they bother you. They bother me. And I look, I feel bad because sometimes I'm concerned about the church and what's going to happen to it as we go forward. And I'm concerned for those people that feel strong enough about it that they're saying and doing those things. But this scripture here goes right along with what Dad has preached. But if you'll lift your eyes from right here and you'll lift them up here, then you can see the long side of this. And what is, what is Isaiah telling them here? He's telling them the earth and everything in it is going to pass away. This is all temporary. But what a great message of encouragement when we get on down here. But my salvation shall be forever. And my righteousness shall not be abolished. What we've got on the inside is the long side of things. It's the eternal side of things. And so while this stuff that we look at right here can be really sad, once we lift our eyes up and we look in the right place, then it's easier to stay focused and be encouraged about what's going on. So love that verse. Anybody have any comments on that? All right. We're down to our last hearken in these eight, eight uh, verses. So verse 7, hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness. So again, he's, you know, he said uh, people that follow after righteousness, and he said my people, and now he said ye that know righteousness. So he's talking to the people that are trying to follow him people that are truly committed, the people in whom heart is my law. Uh, there's several places, but over in Deuteronomy, uh, the people were told, commit these things to your heart. They were told to learn them and memorize certain things of the law so that if they knew them, you know, they didn't have a printing press where they could all go have a Bible or have a book. They didn't have a smartphone because I rely on those things so much where I write stuff down and put them in my phone, put it on my calendar. They didn't have all that. So they were instructed, but boy, it's still good instruction. Commit this to your heart. Learn this because if you know it, then you can follow it. But if you forget it and just read it once and, you know, you you probably won't. So, But he had told them, commit this to your heart. So that's what he's saying here. The people that know righteousness and that have committed this into their heart, that have memorized this, what I've instructed you to memorize, fear ye not the reproach of men. Again, back to where we're looking, all right? 
these are people that are looking down and listening to the, the folks right around them. Of course, easy to do when you're carried away captive into, you know, a land that's, uh, what did we say? I think I looked that up a few weeks ago. It was about 1,600 miles, I think, if I didn't get it wrong, from Jerusalem back to where they were at in, uh, in Iraq. Um, but fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their uh, revilings. You know, man will say and do, but we serve somebody that's bigger than man. And we serve somebody that's bigger than Satan. If, if Satan had the ability, he would wipe us all out. But God has got a hedge around us. If you go over there and read in the book of Job, God had a hedge around Job, and he protected him. Even when he allowed Satan to bring terrible things toward Job, God still had protection around him. He only let him go so far. And, but God will protect us. And will he let us be challenged? Well, yeah, there's challenges in life. Things happen, and, and life isn't fair. But God's got it all under control, and if we will just lean on him, he will, he will deliver us. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment. Now, he's talking about man and man's revilings here. And the worm shall eat them like wool. All of that stuff is temporary. It's all going to go away. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Over in Matthew, Matthew 6 and 19, it says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And so 